This morning, what the Lord has put upon my heart to share with you is titled, Not Ashamed. Not Ashamed. We have the awesome responsibility of carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world. And we need to be not ashamed of what that represents, what that speaks to. And as we go through the teaching today, I want you to understand that we have a powerful anointing that God has placed upon us. And it's because we have the knowledge of the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're, we're still in Passover season, I believe, and we're coming out of the resurrection season. But God wants us to be mindful of his blood. He wants us to be mindful of the power of what he did on the cross. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Some of us do different things on social media and we have interactions with different things. And people who are dark don't want to hear the truth. And you just may as well settle it in your spirit now that that is going to increase. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, there are people out there who do not want to hear what thus saith the Lord. You, you can smooth it over all you want. You can make it sound pretty and, and have it, you know, really fluffy. And the demon inside of them is still not going to want to hear the truth. The demon inside of them is still going to come against you for telling the gospel, sharing the gospel. You need to settle that within your spirit. I'm not going to be ashamed of the truths that God has placed in my soul. I'm not going to be ashamed of the truths that he's given me to share. If you want to hear it and learn and grow and come out of your sin nature, join me. If you don't, you're not going to stop me. You're not going to shut me up. I'm going to continue to go forth and tell the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because there's power in it. I've seen people's lives changed. Changed completely because they believed. They believed what God said. They believed what he put inside of their spirit and they were able to go forth. Other people refused to believe. It's, it's gobbledygook to them. It makes no sense. And I get it. I understand. But you as a believer need to understand. There are going to be some people who will never accept the truth. You need to move on and walk away and find the ones who will. Because there are plenty out here right now who want to hear the truth. They need it. They don't understand that they need it, but they need it. And when you get the gospel of Jesus Christ down on the inside of you, you are moving into change. We call it revival, but everything in your life changes. All of the old stuff becomes gone. You leave it. You leave it behind. You don't want it anymore. You don't want the things of the world anymore. You don't want to participate in the things that are going on. Just like that last song said, come. Want to go, take us home. Take us home. This is not my home. And the more that you fight against that thought, some people don't want to die. Some people don't want Jesus to come back because they got a lot of living left to do here. What is there here that you want so much that you don't want to be in the presence of God 24 hours a day for all of eternity? There's nothing here. Absolutely nothing. But when you get in the presence of God, everything becomes real. And it sets inside of you. It, be, it becomes who you are. This is the power that God is trying to release and unleash inside of us. And it's going to start with us not being ashamed of who Jesus is. No longer should we bow our head and say, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. I hope, I hope you ex can accept that. Uh-uh. 
you should have a boldness inside of you that says, yeah, I am. I'm a devil stomper. I love Jesus with all of my heart. Nothing is going to take that away from me. And we all should be at a place right now where it doesn't matter what anyone says or does. We're still going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to walk in a place where we're not ashamed of it. And it's, it's sickening to hear some of the things that people say who claim to have Christ. But they're, they're ashamed. They're ashamed of what Christ did. They're ashamed of what Christ has done for them. And they're hiding and cowering in a corner. It's not where we're supposed to be. And it's time to rise. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4 Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. When people refer to the gospel, it means good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ provided forgiveness for sins for anyone who would believe in him. Do you know how powerful that is? Forgiveness for your sins, for the things that you do, the times that you were the one who put Christ on the cross, and Jesus willingly gave himself up and said, I'll take the price. I'll pay the penalty for their sin. I'll do it. And we're ashamed of that. Part of the good news is the bad news. The bad news is that all are guilty of sin. Everybody. This guilt brings condemnation from God, but God makes a way for us to be forgiven through Jesus Christ. We're forgiven. Again, going back to praise and worship, I'm loved by you. I am loved by you. Think about all the times this week that you felt like no one could love you. No one could be there for you. Yet God is standing in the wings, arms open wide, proclaiming and declaring his love to you. Think about the times that you felt dirty. How many people have felt dirty before? Unclean. God is still saying, I love you. Still saying, I want to be with you. Just, just mind-blowing. The power of that forgiveness alone, when we deserve hell, we deserve the worm and the lake of fire and the torment that people are going to experience. We deserve that. But God said, no, Jesus is coming. He's wiping all of that away. You don't have to go there because I love you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take upon himself the sins of the world, to take upon himself my sins. Jesus was the payment for those sins. Paul emphasizes the importance of the gospel. The gospel message contains two historical facts, both supported by scripture, Christ's death, proven historically, and his resurrection, proven historically. Both those facts are bolstered by other proofs. Christ's death is proved by his burial, and his resurrection is proved by the eyewitnesses. So the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes in that gospel. Now more than ever, we're going to be faced with the choice of proclaiming Christ, carrying his light into this darkness into this dark world in which we live. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 13 to 17. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, 
just as among the other Gentiles, I am a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So, as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. It takes faith to live in this world that we live in today. It takes faith when all we see is death and destruction around about us with nowhere to turn. And each and every day you're losing uh, loved ones. You're losing friends. You're losing people that don't understand the truth of the gospel because you're seeing them going to deception. You're seeing them, a, a person who the day before knew the truth, loved the truth, walked in the truth, but today something has gotten into them and changed their mind. Something has gotten into them and caused them to turn their heart, become ashamed of what Jesus Christ did. It's getting harder and harder and harder to stand for Christ, but you still have to do it. He made a commitment when he got on the cross for you. And you need to honor that commitment and you need to stay and do the work that he's called you forth to do. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. It, do, it did not bother him about how mean and contemptible it appeared to the carnal eye. For the power of God works by it the salvation of all that believe. It shows us the way of salvation and is the great charter by which salvation is conveyed and made over to us. When you stop and consider what God did to Jesus, this was an extreme level of violence. Think about that. Took all the power away from him, sent him down here to this earth, had to suffer, had to suffer the rejection of his people. We deal with rejection on, on, on a a singular basis. You know, your, your, your parents reject you. Some of your friends reject you. Can you imagine your whole nation saying, I don't want anything to do with you? A whole nation of people hating you. Can you imagine how that felt? Yet you came down here with the purpose of saving them. You came down here with the purpose of getting them free from their bondage. And they made the decision, we don't like you. Give us Barabbas. Give us the criminal. Give us the person who's dark and dirty over you. You're pure light, we don't want you. We, we would rather have darkness. Can you imagine how that felt? And then when you go to God, asked him to do this, and then God turned his back on him, he had to turn his back on him in order to fulfill scripture and fulfill prophecy. He wasn't there with the power of God in him doing it. God rejected him. We, we, we really don't understand. We really don't understand everything that Jesus went through. And it's time that we do. It's time that we realize how powerful this gospel is that we have. That God has gifted us with. Jesus took our sins upon his own body. And what he did opened the doorway for us to be accepted by God. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 to 18. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, 
from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. His offering forever sanctifies us. It's perfected. It's done. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. True forgiveness. True forgiveness. Not like us. We don't forgive like God does. We say, oh, I'm going to let it go. Two weeks later, it comes back. And you're still harboring that bitterness and that anger on the inside. I will remember your sins no more. If we could just have that standard in our relationships here on this earth. We're getting there. God has taken us there. This is the God kind of love that we have to have. We're going to have to have this love generated inside of us now. Because there are going to be people who are going to hate us for no reason whatsoever than that we love Jesus Christ. And the spirit inside of them is going to attack you. It's going to. It's going to because the goodness that's there that comes from Jesus Christ is trying to penetrate into that darkness in that person's heart. They feel it. They don't like it. They don't understand it. But it's happening. We're completely oblivious to it. We're walking down the street. We're driving down the highway. We're carrying on our everyday business. And we don't understand why certain things are happening to us. It's because the demons and the darkness in that person are trying to attack the light that's inside of you. Because they want that light shut off. Shut it off. It's too bright. Shut it off. It's making me feel uncomfortable. It's making me feel condemned convicted of my sins. This is how real the power of the gospel is. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. It's done. This is good news also. What Jesus did on the cross breaks the continual offering up of sacrifices for sins. God, through Jesus Christ, set up the perfect payment plan for our sins. Once for all and forever. His blood covers us. We must never forget the blood of Jesus. We must constantly and consistently apply it to our lives. Jesus gave the perfect offering as our high priest so that once and for all, all of our debt and sin is paid forever. With this payment, we receive the benefits of a new covenant, a greater covenant where God now implants himself inside of our hearts. That's powerful. That's powerful because now we have the ability to have that fellowship, that oneness, that Abba relationship that God has longed and desired to have with us since Adam and Eve. It's been restored. It's been brought back to us. Paul shows us the gospel in everyday life. Let's look at Acts chapter 16, verses 1 to 5. Then he came to Derby. And Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek, and as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. 
It was the preaching and teaching of the gospel that caused the world to take notice in Derby and Lystra. Timothy was set apart to walk with Paul because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul taught the people in this region to follow and obey the commands of God. When Paul and the rest of the disciples preached the gospel, the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number. This is where we have to continue to stay. We have to continue to teach and to preach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what's going to bring forth a, a connection between the spirit inside of God and the spirit inside of the person to cause and birth forth change. Acts 16, verses 6 to 10. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Listen at this. After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Tros, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is Paul. But this is how good the Spirit of God is. He will let you know, this is, this is going to work, this is not going to work. Go here, don't go there. Look at all of those different cities that Paul said, I have the gospel of Jesus Christ inside of me, I'm just going to go preach. We do the same thing. I'm going to go out on the streets. Does the Spirit of the Lord want you to go to this particular place? Or are you just going to be going? We can't no longer go just to be going. When you look at this scripture here in Acts 16, they tried to go. And see, this is, this is where we fail. We don't even try to go. We don't even put forth the effort to go. But they tried, and then the Spirit led them to go to the right place. So this is where we have to get to. We, first, we need to try and do something. We need, we need to go. And then allow the Spirit to tra change and transform us and say, all right, I want you to go over here. This is where you need to go. Because I've already prepped the hearts I've already made the way open for you to be able to move in my spirit. When Paul went into this region, the spirit did not permit them to preach the gospel. Sounds strange, doesn't it? Paul and his disciples went into several regions in this area and the spirit did not permit them to do anything. So here it is in scripture that the spirit did not open the door for the gospel to be preached. Paul and his disciples were sensitive to the Holy Spirit and only did what the Spirit permitted them to do. Paul could have went against the Spirit and preached the gospel, but there would not have been any power there to do anything. He could have went into those places and, and, and gave a good word and gave a good message and laid hands and all of that. Nothing would have been accomplished. No hearts would have been changed. We talk about this all the time, but here is a real-life example of what should be done. Follow the Spirit. Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 15. Therefore, sailing from Tros, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the woman who, who we met there. Now a certain woman called Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So the Holy Spirit had went out, went before them, prepared the land, prepared the Macedonians, and look what happened. Transformation took place. 
she was already ready to receive. She was so ready to receive that she was inviting them to go in and minister to the rest of the household. We have to look for those opportunities like that instead of trying to break down a barrier or door that is not broken down. We have to look for those opportunities like that instead of wasting time. Let me say it a different way. Wasting time trying to break down a barrier or door that God has not broken down. If the anointing hasn't broken it, hasn't destroyed the yoke, you're wasting your time. It's the anointing that does the work. It's the Holy Spirit that goes in. And if the Holy Spirit can't get to them, what are you doing? It would be better that you sat and did nothing than to try to browbeat and, and, and force your way into somebody's heart. All they're going to do is resist. And they're going to rebel even more against what God is trying to do inside of them because their heart hasn't been prepped. It hasn't been prepared to come inside. Notice here, because Paul and his disciples were following the Spirit, things happened to the people that they were ministering to. The Holy Spirit told them to go to Macedonia, and as they were obedient and went into Macedonia, people's lives were changed. Acts 16, 16-24. Now it happened as we went to pray that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Now I'm going to stop right there. It says Paul was greatly annoyed. Does it just just blow your religious mind? Because he's not sitting there in a Zen position, just um, you know, this is you know, I'm, I'm really feeling this. I'm really feeling I need to do this, and you know, just just in his in, in his feelings. No, he was annoyed. You don't think about that for a person of the spirit. Here it is in the scripture. He was annoyed. This made him angry. This made him upset because this woman was doing this. Not us, not us Christians. We're not allowed to say that what you're doing annoys me. Your behaviors need to change because they're not godly. It's annoying. You're hindering the gospel by what you're doing. You're annoying me. Here's Paul, mighty, mighty man of God. And he's annoyed. Doesn't say that he got in trouble for being annoyed, does it? Now, I'm not giving you a license to get in your flesh and be annoyed at everything because we need to have the fruit of the Spirit. But I want you to see something that sometimes we take in a whole different direction that God never intended for us to take. Your, your super spiritual nature is, is just you. It's not the Spirit of God. I'm sorry. It's just not. You need to quit. You really need to quit. If, if Paul can be annoyed, you can be annoyed too. It's right, it's right there in the Scripture. I didn't, I didn't make it up. Verse 19, But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. So here's this light versus darkness again. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. The Holy Spirit met Paul in Macedonia, but there was opposition that came from the people. 
Don't be afraid of opposition. If you know that you're doing what God has called you for to do, you should expect that some people are going to oppose you. And it's not so much the people as it is the spirit of darkness that is in them that is trying to stop the anointing from ministering to people. There are going to be times when the spirit of God tells you to do something that you will encounter opposition and resistance from those who are not of God. There are going to be times when the Spirit of God tells you to do something that you will encounter opposition and resistance from those who are not of God. Paul and his disciples didn't let this bother them or stop them from preaching the gospel. They persisted in preaching and they were prepared for whatever the Lord took them into because the power of God was in their midst. Not everyone is going to be happy with you for bringing the gospel. You need to realize right now that some people are dark. They have already turned their heart to darkness. And even in this case, you just have to be obedient to God. You just have to. Acts 16, verses 25 to 34. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Again, the gospel of Jesus Christ at work in a difficult situation through Paul, through his disciples, caused this man to want to be saved. Verse 31, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Not only you, but you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. This is the power of the gospel. And this only occurred because Paul was not ashamed. He was not ashamed. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Paul and his disciples walked in power because they were not ashamed of the cross and what Jesus did on it. They kept themselves in line and instructed God's people in the truth because Paul and his disciples understood that God was with them. God didn't make everything easy for them, but the power of God showed up and showed off. Acts 16, verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officer saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison. And now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. See the boldness? They knew that they were wrong for beating them. They knew that they were wrong for imprisoning them. They didn't just go quietly. They said, no, you come and do it. And the officers told these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid. And when they heard that they were, they were Romans, then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. It is through the power of God. Without it, that power in the gospel is nothing but a dead letter. Paul knew this. Paul walked in this. And God is expecting for us to walk in this as well. The revelation of the gospel is the revelation of the arm of the Lord. As power went along with the word of Christ to heal diseases, 
It is to those and those only that believe. Believing interests us in the gospel, salvation. To others, it is hidden. It's our belief. The medicine prepared will not cure the case will not cure the patient if it be not taken. What I'm trying to say here is the gospel that we have is the medicine that people need, but we have to be prepared to give it to them. To the Jew first, the lost sheep of the house of Israel had the first offer made them, both by Christ and his apostles. You first, but upon their refusal, the apostles turned to the Gentiles. So, we were permitted to come in because the Jews refused to serve God. And all of this is spelled out in Romans chapter 11. And a lot of people now, even in the church, are, are mad at the Jewish people because they think God has left them. God has abandoned them. But if you really look at the scripture and see, God had a plan in order for the Gentiles to be used to woo the Jewish people back to him. And this is where we get the hope from that this great revival that God has been saying he's going to start is going to occur. Because the door for the Gentiles is closed. So now it's time for God to start going back to the Jewish people and bring them in. So there's a lot of belief and thought right now that God is going to use us in signs, wonders, and miracles and the Jewish people are going to look at this and say, hey, we remember everything that God did for us in the times of Moses. We remember everything that God did for us with Egypt and Joseph and, and Jacob. And we want this back. And this is happening. This is occurring. So the remnant that God is using right now, I believe, is going to be what will inspire and cause the, the, the main clump of the Jewish people to return back to God, to return back to the fire, the anointing, the power, because they, they want it. They, they want it more than we do. And I believe that it's time that this starts occurring, and this is going to start occurring. Jews and Gentiles now stand upon the same level, both equally miserable without a Savior, <laughs> and both equally welcome to the Savior, according to Colossians 3.11. Such doctrine as this was surprising to the Jews, to the Jews who had hitherto been the peculiar people and had looked with scorn upon the Gentile world. However, the long-expected Messiah provides a light to enlighten the Gentiles as well as the glory of his people. Let's look at Acts chapter 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Here's this boldness. He wasn't ashamed of what he knew. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, we have that religious set, people, took some of the evil men from the marketplace, and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness, and searched the scriptures daily to find out 
whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Didn't see that before. So women and men received the gospel, preached. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Here's these religious people again. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, and when he saw that the city was given over to idols, Therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the Gentile worshippers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. We're going to encounter these same things. People in the church who don't understand what God is doing, who don't understand the movement of the Spirit, are going to be coming against you. Just just be okay with it. Be okay with it and know that you're doing what God has called you forth to do. Don't even let it phase you. Don't even let it cause you to be ashamed of what you know. You continue to stand and preach the truth, just like Paul did. Others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Isn't this what's going on now? We want to hear a new word. There's there's a different gospel that, that has to be preached right now. And this is what's going on in the church. Some people are trying to make up things that that have nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ whatsoever. Same things that Paul went through, we're going through today. Verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens... I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped, with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. That, that word grope is very, very important because it, it, it intends a struggle. It, it intends that you're, you're trying to fight to get your relationship with God. And there's people out there right now who are really, really hungry and they don't have anybody to preach the truth to them. They don't have anybody to tell them the things that we know. Do you understand how valuable you are right now to God? just by the knowledge that he's put inside of you about the gospel of Jesus Christ, just by the anointings that he's given you. Each and every time you come up to this altar and get an anointing, that increases your value. That increases the ability for God to use you, whether you understand it or not. People are groping. They're wanting to have this information. And we have got to start being faithful, delivering it, and bringing them out. Start again at verse 27. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they they might grope for him and find him, 
though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and by man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Jesus is coming back. He is going to judge the entire world. The entire world. That, that's going to be his job. Everyone is going to be held accountable for everything that they've done. And whether your account is good and faithful servant, come and enter into your rest, or depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. There's, there's going to be some level of judgment that's going to take place for everybody. Verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him, and believed. Among them, Dionysus the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. This is not ashamed. This lifestyle that we, we, we live right now, we have to live it not ashamed. In closing, the justification of believers as the way. For therein, that is in this gospel, which Paul so much triumphs in is the righteousness of God revealed. God is revealing himself through the gospel. Our misery and ruin being the product and consequent of our iniquity. That which will show us the way of salvation must needs show us the way of justification. And this the gospel does. The gospel shows us every part of our relationship with God, how we have sinned, how we've messed up, how God has opened the door for us to be forgiven through his son, Jesus Christ, then not only does he give us that forgiveness, he justifies us and acts like we never did any sin at all. It's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, cast away. God doesn't even bring it back up to our remembrance. So then we have restoration and we're restored to right fellowship and a right relationship with God. We can't, comprehend the depth of what God has done for us we, we just it, it's something that should just bring a hallelujah right out of your soul out of the very depth of your soul because there's no way that you can save yourself no way if it, if it wasn't for God you would not even have an opportunity for salvation there's, praise and worship should be off the hook every service every service because that hallelujah should be coming out of you your personal prayer time this should just be a hallelujah coming out because you can't save yourself you can't while god is a just and holy god we are all guilty sinners it is necessary we should have a righteousness wherein to appear before him and blessed be god there is such a righteousness brought in by Messiah, the Prince, and revealed in the gospel, a righteousness that is a gracious method of reconciliation and acceptance, notwithstanding the guilt of our sins. This evangelical righteousness is called the righteousness of God. It is of God's appointing, of God's approving, and God's accepting. It is so called to cut off all pretensions to a righteousness resulting from the merit of our own works. We can't do it on our own. We don't have our own righteousness that will even equate to what God has provided for us. It is the righteousness of Christ, who is God, resulting from the satisfaction of infinite value. It is said, it is said to be from faith to faith, from the faithfulness of God 
revealing to the faith of man, receiving, so some from the faith of dependence upon God, in dealing with him immediately as Adam before the fall, to the faith of dependence upon a mediator, and so dealing with God, so others from the first, first faith by which we are put into a justified state, to after faith by which we live, and are continued in that state. And the faith that justifies us is no less than our taking Christ for our Savior and becoming true Christians according to the tenure of the baptismal covenant from faith engrafting us into Christ to faith deriving virtue from him as our root, both implied in the next two words, in the next words, the just shall live by faith. When you walk in the faith that you're supposed to walk in, you won't be ashamed at all of the gospel of Christ. You will stand. You will stand in the most adverse circumstances and situations because ultimately you know that your life is in the control of Jesus. Your life is in the control of the Holy Spirit and God the Father. Father, I thank you for this lesson. I thank you for the things that you brought out about us not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the totality of it, the depth of it. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would seal this in within to the deepest parts of our hearts. And, Father, as you continue to bless your people, we just open up the altars for them to receive. For those of you who want to have a resealing of this anointing, a resealing of the boldness that Paul had. God is opening up the altar for you now to receive a deeper level so that your faith can come even more alive and to worship and to serve him in this entire Hello? Can somebody hear me? This is Montana Civil Defense. Come in here, calling Raven. Somebody please come in. Come on, Raven. Come in here, calling Raven. We're committed to excellence and truth as we conduct spiritual overwatch for your soul. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you. Simple truths, given with intellectual integrity, far better than Fox News and CNN combined. Please feel free to contact us with questions, comments, concerns at ChristopherRadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and more. Until next time. That was your Overwatch, Einstein. You can thank him later.